Let's bow our heads and have a little prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the blessings of our freedom. Now as we come to think about these things, we ask you to inspire our hearts to know to do well and to do right. So bless us, we ask, as we think and gather around this day and help us to understand what was paid for freedom. Help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, if you don't know who I am, I'm not going to tell you. But you'll get there soon enough. I was born in a one-room log cabin in Kentucky. My father, Tom, could neither read nor write. My mother, Nancy, however, could read. And she gave me daily lessons in reading and writing and ciphering to the rule of three. But we only owned one book in our house, and that was the Bible. So all of my reading came from Bible stories. Now, my father had three small farms in Kentucky, but the land was never surveyed. And so some rich folk came in and uh, laid claim to our property and had it surveyed and took it away. So my father decided to move to Indiana. It was in Indiana that I got a chance to attend what was called a blab school. You may have never heard of a blab school, but the teachers made the whole class read out loud all together. You know what that sounds like? Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I was so bored, I wrote a little poem on the front of my math book. Abraham Lincoln is my name, and with my pen I wrote the same. I write it both in haste and speed, and left it here for fools to read. <laughs> Abraham's comment on school. My teacher, Mr. Crawford... Soon quit, as teachers usually did. But he left me two books, The Life of George Washington and the Autobiography of Ben Franklin, which I read cover to cover many times. Sadly, my mother Nancy died when I was 10 years old. And not long after, my father was remarried. My new stepmother came to live with us. And fabulously wealthy, she owned four books. She owned the Arabian Nights, Robinson Crusoe, a Webster Speller, and a book called Lessons in Elocution. Elocution is just a fancy word for public speaking. You know the kind that politicians are famous for? Blah, 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 blah. My new stepmother encouraged me to read. My father thought reading was a waste of time. So often I read by candlelight in the middle of the night. By day I worked on the farm with my father. Now there was a law in those days that if a boy earned money, if he was old enough, till he was 21, he was to turn that money over to his father. Well, I got pretty good with an axe, especially at splitting rails. And so my father would hire me out to the local farmers, earn some money for the family. 
One thing I learned for sure and fairly early, I didn't want to be a farmer when I grew up. Eventually, I got a job as a clerk in a store, <clears throat> but when I got old enough so I could keep the money I earned, I joined with two friends, and we started a business hauling freight on the Ohio River. That's where the excitement was, on the river. Paddle boats full of passengers from New Orleans, freight carriers, all sorts of characters and activities, much more interesting than farming. Well, one day a river boat was passing through, and I was on the shore, and two men came running up to me, and they said, we need to get on that boat. So I said, jump in my rowboat, and I'll row you out to the river boat. The captain saw me coming, waited for me, and after the two men got on the boat, I heard two things hit the bottom of my rowboat. So when I rowed back to shore, I found two dollar coins. Two dollars, boy, that was more wages than I earned all week. Big money. So before long, I was rowing all sorts of passengers out to the riverboat. Then one day, I happened to row to the other side of the river. And two men, I hear a strange noise. <laughs> Never heard that before. Two men jumped me when I got to the other side of the river. And they said to me, you have no ferrying license to cross the river. And we do. So any money you make, we can claim and also charge you a $5 fine. So come with us and we're going to take you to the judge. So off we went to the judge. And I asked the judge if he would read the law about ferry uh, licenses. And he did. And he said you had to have a license permit to cross the river with cargo or passengers. And I said, Sir, I don't cross the river. I go halfway over and then return to the same side. And the judge agreed with me and dismissed the charges. <laughs> so I became interested in the law after that. Eventually, I went to work for a lawyer, learned the law by reading books, earned the nickname Honest Abe. But I didn't really come here today to talk about myself. I came here to talk about freedom. It's the 4th of July, a day when we celebrate the signing of the Declaration of Independence. In Philadelphia at Independence Hall, the founding fathers uh, of our nation put their signatures on a document written mostly by Thomas Jefferson. It declared 13 colonies independent from Great Britain. It was based on the principle that all men are created equal and endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, which are, first of all, the right to life, secondly, the right to liberty and the pursuit of happiness. Freedom was a right from God, is what they wrote, and no government could take that away. And so a war was started over it, the Revolutionary War, to set the 13 American colonies free 
from the rule of England and the tyranny of King George. But in that Declaration of Independence, the principles of equality, all men created equal, and the God-given right of freedom were soon to be tested again. Slavery had been practiced in America for over 200 years. The first 20 black slaves were brought to America in 1619 and sold to the colonists in Jamestown. By 1790, just after the Revolutionary War, there were 750,000 black slaves. Just before the Civil War, the number of slaves increased to 3,950,000, which was 13% of the population as slaves. And so it was that the churches and the pastors throughout America began to make a stand. It was based on a passage from the Bible. For you are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ. From those scriptures, a group of Mennonites were the first ones from Pennsylvania who published a list of reasons that slavery should be condemned. First on their list was this one. Muslims sell people into slavery. Should Christians do it too? Second one, just because people are black, that is no reason to enslave them. The third one, the Bible says, do unto others as you have others do unto you. Would we make slaves of white people? And the fourth one, in Europe, people are oppressed for their beliefs. In America, they are oppressed for the color of their skin. And the fifth one, the Bible says, thou shalt not steal. Yet those people were stolen from their native country. And so, there began to be an anti-slavery movement. The Quakers in Pennsylvania were the first one that began to form societies called abolitionists. And so in Pennsylvania, Ohio, and New York, the movement was started to free the slaves and abolish slavery. Soon the Methodist circuit riders who were traveling preachers began to preach about the evils of slavery all across America. Now, all in the northern territories, which weren't yet some of them states, Ohio, Indiana, Illinois, Michigan, and Wisconsin, they passed a law that slavery was illegal in those places and could not be practiced. 
But in the southern states, where slavery was the main part of the workforce, the Methodist society met with a great deal of resistance. State governments refused to pass legislation to limit slavery. Eventually, the southern states would organize and begin to pass legislation on a national level that was pro-slavery. Now, an earlier act of Congress called the Missouri Compromise had uh, banned slavery in all states north of the 36th parallel. And most people believe that slavery would eventually die out if it was banned in all the new territories. But a senator named Stephen Douglas from my own state of Illinois introduced a new law called the Kansas-Nebraska Act. That act was passed by Congress. And he said that the new states should have the right to choose for themselves whether they would have slavery or not. And he called it popular sovereignty. Passed by the Senate in Washington, D.C. And then Congress passed another much more chilling bill. A new law in 1850 called the Fugitive Slave Law. It allowed slave owners to track down their slaves and get the assistance of local authorities wherever they were to capture fugitive slaves. And they could hunt these fugitive slaves down no matter where they were. And so the southern states were able to band together passed legislation in Washington, D.C. that would allow the spread of slavery into the new states in the West. What people had hoped for, as I said, was that slavery would be limited to just the southern states and slowly fade away. But now that seemed very unlikely because of the new laws if slavery were allowed to expand into the western states. And then the Fugitive Slave Law meant that slaves who did run away were no longer safe anywhere in the northern states. Slave owners offered large rewards for the return of fugitive slaves so that people in the northern states who didn't care about slavery or who liked money would be enticed to turn in the escaped slave for some easy money. And they did it by the hundreds. Then came the straw that finally broke the camel's back. An army surgeon from Missouri owned a slave named Dred Scott. Now that surgeon traveled with his slave to Illinois, and then he also traveled to Minnesota Territory. He had taken his slave Dred Scott with him. Eventually, the two men returned home to Missouri, and the army surgeon died. And Dred Scott made the claim as soon as he entered free territory, both Illinois and Minnesota, he became a free man. Therefore, his owner had no right to take him back to Missouri and keep him as a slave. 
Dred Scott took his case to court, and it went all the way to the highest court in the land. The United States Supreme Court ruled that a black man never was nor could be a citizen of the United States. Therefore, the rights guaranteed in the Declaration of Independence did not apply to Dred Scott. He was nothing more than a piece of property. And so the highest court in the land came out in support of slavery. It seemed that the government in Washington, D.C. was in support of slavery. Now for years, the Quakers, the Methodists, the Mennonites, Presbyterians had preached against the evils of slavery. I thank God that there are people who have always believed that the best course of action is to do right. And if the government makes bad decisions and passes bad laws, we are not bound to obey those laws. As the twelve apostles said in the book of Acts, when they were told to stop preaching about Jesus, we ought to obey God rather than men. And the men who signed the Declaration of Independence, who pledged their lives and their sacred honors and their fortune to fight for freedom, also believed that they ought to obey God rather than men. When the government came out with laws in favor of slavery, Christian people all over believed that we ought to obey God rather than man. And so it was that an anti-slavery people all over the country began to take steps to act on their beliefs. And all across America, people secretly joined forces and created a network to do everything in their power to help free black slaves. When slave owners went into Pennsylvania and Ohio in search of runaway slaves, those slaves seemed to disappear into thin air. And they made comments, these runaway slaves of ours must have an underground railroad that they use because they disappear as if they'd gone underground. And so the secret groups of the abolitionists became known as the Underground Railroad. And the terminology used to describe them was railroad terminology. The safe havens where they could go for safety were homes and churches were known as the depots. Agents and superintendents were people who organized escape routes. And then there was a group of very brave people who were known as conductors who went to plantations in the South and encouraged slaves to escape and lead them north towards freedom. Some of those became very famous. You've heard of Harriet Tubman and Sojourner Truth, ex-slaves who became conductors and let out other slaves to freedom, 
And a man named Calvin Fairbanks, he was a minister, a white man turned conductor, very famous one. As runaway slaves traveled north, they would wait until dark and then go up to a depot, usually somebody's house, and knock on the window. They were brought into a dark house, and when the windows were all covered, and the candles were lit, and they were fed, they were sheltered there in barns, in secret rooms, in churches, and sometimes when houses were raided, they were hid under the floorboards. Then they were taken by night to the next location on the road north. Most depots were 10 to 20 miles apart so that the safe house could be reached in one night's travel. The goal was to reach Canada where slavery was illegal and slave owners could not follow. So it was that people all over worked to free the slaves in spite of the government and came up with many ingenious methods of escape. Henry Brown was a slave who lived in Richmond, Virginia. He built a wooden box, two feet, eight inches deep, two feet wide, and three feet long. And he took a skin of water, some biscuits, and a small drill for air holes, and he got inside the box. A friend nailed the box closed with wooden straps, And the box was labeled to James Smith, a shoe dealer in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, who was also a member of the Underground Railroad. So the box was shipped on freight wagon and then transferred onto a railroad boxcar on its way to Philadelphia. It was a 26-hour trip. The freight handlers ignored the sign which said this side up. (laughs) And some of the trip, Henry Brown was upside down on his head. But the box was delivered to James Smith. They cut the wooden bands and opened the box. And rising up out of the wood box, Henry Brown said, How do you do, gentlemen? He was safe in the hands of the Underground Railroad. So Henry Box Brown, as he was later called, eventually went to live in Boston. He shipped himself in a crate to freedom with the help of the Underground Railroad. Another tale of courage was a story of John Thompson, a 19-year-old slave who decided to escape from his master in Alabama. He watched carefully until he knew what trains went north. Then one night, he went out and climbed into the railroad yard on top of a passenger car and clung to the roof. And so he rode that way most of the way to Canada, hiding amongst the freight, clinging to the top of trains. And one of the more daring escapes was the story of William and Ellen Craft. Now that famous conductor, that minister, Calvin Fairbanks, uh, often used disguises 
to help people escape. He was a clever man. And Ellen Craft, a light-colored slave by Fairbanks, was dressed in men's clothing. She wore a scarf around her chin, pretending to have a toothache so she wouldn't have to speak. And she also put her arm in a sling so she wouldn't have to write, which she couldn't write. And dressed as a man, she went and bought two tickets, one for her and one for her slave, which was her husband. And they left South Carolina by steamship along the coast northward to Washington, D.C., And there she got on a train to Philadelphia, bought two tickets for her and her slave. Once again, she arrived in Philadelphia, a major center of underground underground railroad activity. And aided by the Underground Railroad, the crafts went all the way to Boston. Calvin Fairbanks, that conductor, also helped a slave woman named Emily Ward to escape from Kentucky. He dressed her as a young boy and got her all the way to Cincinnati, Ohio. But before they could arrange to move her farther, her master showed up in Cincinnati. Fairbanks decided to change her costume. So he dressed her in a silk dress with a fancy hat, and she acted like a southern belle. And when she passed her master in the street, he didn't even recognize her. He actually tipped his hat to the lady and walked right by. Thanks to the clever disguises of conductor Fairbanks. A sea captain, who was also a part of the Underground Railroad, hid 21 slaves amidst the cargo in the hold of his ship and waited as the slave owners searched all over the docks looking for the runaway slaves. And he set sail from Norfolk, Virginia, went to Philadelphia, where he turned all 21 slaves over to the underground. They were safely slipped into Canada. So all over America, people who believed in freedom, black or white, rich or poor, faced danger and imprisonment to help fugitive slaves escape to be free. The conductor, Mr. Fairbanks, was put in prison for some 13 years for the escapes that he had brought about. Now back to my story. I ran for Senate, became the most outspoken person in Illinois in the anti-slavery movement. I made speeches in Kansas and Iowa and Ohio and Indiana, Wisconsin. Eventually, I was nominated as the Republican for President of the United States, and I won that election. As soon as I did, the South seceded from the Union, and the Civil War had begun. It was in 1863... On the 1st of January, that I wrote and read the following words. 
And by the virtue of the power and for the purpose aforesaid, I do order and declare that all persons held as slaves within said designated states and parts of states are and henceforth shall be free, and that the executive government of the United States, including military and naval authorities thereof, will recognize and maintain the freedom of said persons. I hereby enjoin upon the people declared to be free, to abstain from all violence, unless in necessary self-defense. And I recommend to them that in all cases, when allowed, they labor faithfully for reasonable wages. I further declare and make known, upon this act, sincerely believed to be an act of justice, warranted by the Constitution, I invoke the considerate favor of Almighty God. And so, finally... The slaves are free. We would fight another year before the southern states were brought back into the Union. But I want you to see it was God's people. It was the churches who stood for right and proclaimed the truth of the evils of slavery that started this movement and gave it life All I happened to do was write the last chapter. And the book was finished. And we believe in God's truth. And the great theme of our northern states was his truth is marching on. And so God's truth, it's we stand for it. We stand for right We stand for freedom, and may God's truth ever march forward. I pray that God-fearing people will always choose to do right. Rather than give in to wrong, let truth prevail, God's truth. May God bless you all, and may God bless America. Shall we pray? ask you to bow your heads for a prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for freedom. We realize those have fought for it. Black and white, rich and poor, all joined together that people might be free. We know that Jesus Christ has come to make us free truly and declare us to be equal truly. And we thank you for the work of Jesus Christ and for your work in the hearts of people who believed in you and in your truth and stood for it. We are grateful this day for our freedom. We thank you for it. We ask your hand to be on this nation. May we know right and truth. May we be able to live by it here and be free in our country. Thank you for those who suffered for it and gave it to us. May we ever be faithful, preserving our freedom. Bless us, Lord, because we're gathered here today. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And in closing, the choir is going to come. We're going to sing that song. That was a northern theme during the Civil War. Glory, glory, hallelujah. His truth is marching on. Give us a moment to get set up. And we'll do for you the battle hymn of the
There ain't no more, my friend. Happy Fourth of July to you. May God bless you.